Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. Started to startle some of you today with my suit, and uh, uh, some of you said, Pastor Phil, I've never seen you in a suit, and, uh, and that is because um, I don't necessarily enjoy wearing them all the time, but every once in a while, it's not bad, and, uh, and uh, thank you for all the nice comments, many of you, that's perfect, many of you made uh, on Facebook, uh, our oldest son got married last night, and so I uh, had actually had, this is a new suit for me, I had it made and tailored and everything uh, to, to me, and, uh, um, and we had a great time, and so thank you for asking about that, but I thought last night as I was putting it up, I thought, you know, I can wear it for a wedding. I can wear it for church tomorrow, and so I thought I would. Uh, um, a couple of you introduced yourself to me. I didn't think I was that much different, but uh, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's still this face. So it's only so much you can do with this part. So, um, uh, but anyway, I, I appreciate um, appreciate being able to just uh, share with you today. And uh, Pastor is uh, enjoying his vacation. He actually stopped by the, the wedding yesterday, and I promised him there was good cake. He confirmed the cake was good, and so we had a wonderful time. And I know he's missing you, but um, uh, he gave me the opportunity to preach. Um, so here we go, here we go, here we go. I want to start off with a, a verse out of Isaiah chapter 29 verse uh, 13, and here's what it says. The, the Lord says, as the screen is out, there we go. The Lord says, these people have come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts, everybody say their hearts, are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they have been taught. Their hearts are far from me. Today I've titled the message, Let's Get cooking, and I know some of you have been up here probably staring. How many of you are, uh, you know, kind of ADHD, and so you were distracted during worship by the brownie box? Yes. Uh, some of the youth wanted to know if I was actually making brownies and if we were going to eat them in service, and I'm just going to go ahead and let you down now. No. No, I will not be serving brownies during my message today, but I have titled my message, Let's Get Cooking, and this is part of my illustration today, because what I want to ask you is this, have you ever been to a point where you just wanted to experience God in a deeper way? Have you ever been to a point where you said, you know what, God, I go to church, God, I, I'm, I'm faithful to you, but I really want to see you work in and through me. I want to see you use me for what you have for me to do. I want, in, in this essence, I want to draw close to you, but I want my heart to be close to you too. How many of us have desperately wanted to experience a true encounter with God? Not just hear it, but feel it and be in the midst of it. And so, how many of you have ever heard the saying, let's get cooking? You know what I'm talking about? It's when you make you make plans and you and you and you work through it. And maybe you know when you're maybe some of you 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 know you're talking about a wedding. You know, and how many of you ever put a wedding together before? 
Yes, my condolences. So, um, and so praying for all of you. Um, and so you, you do all these plans and you work for months and months and you do all that. And, and it's just one mere example of things that we put together. But in the end, there comes a point where you just want to say, let's get cooking. It means let's just go. Let's just do this. And my challenge to you today is this. What the church is really good, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about the church as a whole, is really good about talking about serving God. It's really good, we're really good about talking about encountering God. We're really good about talking about uh, what God wants to do in our lives. But, but we do a lot of preparing, we do a lot of these things. But, but what I want to say today is let's get cooking. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's really get to, to, to where something's happening. Are you with me today? Come on. And so today I was thinking about, when cooking, <clears throat> I was thinking about brownies. <clears throat> How many of you like brownies? Come on now. I knew this would resonate with you. I love brownies. I, what I especially like about brownies is the smell of them cooking. You know what I'm talking about. You walk in. You walk into the house or maybe you walk and it starts to waft from the kitchen into the bedroom or into the living room or whatever. You put that pan of brownies in and the smell of it just draws you in. I used to work uh, at, a, at a store called Mrs. Fields Cookies, like Great American Cooking Company. And we would intentionally start the day, we would, we would intentionally start the day by putting a, a thing of brownies in the oven just so that smell would permeate into the mall and draw customers in. Because there's something about, before you even taste the brownies, just the smell of the brownies drawing you in. And also, not only do I love the smell of them cooking, but I love the warm sweetness of them when they've just left the oven. Let me tell you something. On the back of this box, on the back of this box back here, it gives you, it says, <clears throat> um, it says bake, and it tells you all this, and it says cut and serve when completely cooled. Let me tell you something. That is not of God, okay? <clears throat> that, they have got this wrong. Years and years on this box, they've got this wrong. What I am going to do is I'm thinking about, call, I'm calling in Pillsbury. I'm going to put in a petition, and I want them to put on here so that I have full release. I want it to say, cut and serve when completely cooled. And then over there on the side, this does not apply to Pastor Phil, though. <clears throat> because otherwise, I will continue every time we make brownies to break that rule. Because everybody knows that brownies taste the best when they are just slightly lower than the temper of molten lava. When they are, and you're not really necessarily chewing, you're like, it's so good. You know, you speak a different, it's a brownie language is actually what it is. And there is nothing better than a good warm brownie that you kind of, it's like the taste is bouncing off your tongue because you can't leave it there because it will burn everything. And I, but it's good. It's good. It's nothing better than. And so when you're going to make brownies, What's the first thing you got to have? You know what I'm talking about. When you, when you, when you, when you go to break bake brownies, you're thinking to yourself, I got to get the ingredients, right? So now I know some of y'all are judging me right now. They're not even homemade brownies. You're just making some generic brownies. Listen, I have 84 children. This is all the time I got. This is all the time I got. <clears throat> all right? Not to mention, not to mention when you have that many kids, they don't care whether they're generic or name brand. They just, they don't even taste it anyway. It's just, they just eat it. All right? So <clears throat> there's no need to go to the extra effort. But anyway, on here, it, you know, you get the box, and then it tells you, it says you need, you need some oil, all right, and you need some eggs. 
Uh, it's empty. It's empty. I was just teasing. Um, you need some eggs, and you need some water, and you got to get those ingredients. You got to mix them up. Let me ask you something, though. How awesome would my brownies be? How awesome would my brownies be if we just stuck the empty, uh, the empty pan in the oven? So here's my little oven today. We're just going to stick those babies in there. All right. You'll just have to imagine. Can you not see? Let me, let me move them over so you can see. All right, there we go. Uh, Elliot said it ruined my illustration because it has a pie. Just pretend there's brownies in there, okay? How awesome would it be, how, how good would my brownies be if I just stuck an empty pan in the oven? So we're going to try this. I've stuck it in there, right? After five minutes, what do you think I would have? Have a hot pan. Thank you. I'd have nothing. I have nothing to eat. What about 10 minutes? 10 minutes, you think we're doing any better? 15, 20, let me tell you something. We could leave that in there until Pastor Steve comes next week to preach. He's going to wonder why that's on here. But um, I can't wait for him to find out I baked brownies on the stage. We can leave that till then, and guess what? Nothing is going to change about that pan. It's still an empty pan with no brownies, nothing being produced. There's no smell. There's no warm, yummy brown, no, no brownies to eat. Nothing. But why are, we getting, why are we not getting any results? Why are we not seeing any progress in what we're talking about here? And it's because without the ingredients, without all the stuff mixed together in a bowl and stuck in that pan, the oven, the oven can be as hot as it wants to be. The recipe will never work. Can I tell you something? God can be cooking something up, but if we don't put anything in it, then we ain't going to get anything out of it. Are you with me today? And so this morning I want to share with you three key steps to get cooking with Jesus this year. We're already halfway through. We might be a little behind, but guess what? We still got half a year left. A little less, but almost half a year left. And so this morning I want to share with you in these next few moments three key steps to get cooking with Jesus this year. And the first one is this. Preparation. How many of you know that without preparation, we're bound to fail? We're destined to fail. And the first thing we need when we want God to use us, when we want to get cooking for the Lord this year, if we want to really encounter what God has for us, is we have to prepare a heart seeking after God. I want to read to you in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. Here's, we're, we're talking about a king named Rehoboam, and I'll tell you about him in just a minute. But it said, he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. That's pretty plain. He did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. If you'll just leave that there for a minute. This passage is in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. It's speaking of the king, a king of Israel named Rehoboam, who was the grandson of David. All right, so he came from, a, from a, a lineage that showed what he would have known what it meant to serve the Lord. The Scripture says they inherited the throne when he was 41 years old. Now that's specifically or especially significant to me because this past week I turned 41. And so here's Rehoboam in Chronicles chapter 12. He's my age. Here he is. He's the king of Israel. Alright? He's 41 years old. And the Bible says that he did evil because he set his heart uh, on, he, he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. Now, in the beginning of his reign, 
And oh, I'm going to say this. He, he, he um, inherited the throne at 41 because of the death of his father Solomon. So he had seen the example of what it was to serve the Lord. It wasn't always like this, though, for Rehoboam. In the beginning of his reign, his heart was sensitive to the Lord. Uh, he, he, had, he even turned back from battle simply because of a prophet who spoke to him in the name of the Lord. That's found in 2, Corinthians, uh, 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles chapter 11. Just the chapter before that, starting in verse 1-4, through 4, here's what it said about Rehoboam. It said, when Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mustered Judah and Benjamin and 180,000 able young men to go to war against Israel and to regain the kingdom of Rehoboam. But this word of the Lord came to Shimei, Shimei, the man of God, Say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all of Israel and Judah and Benjamin, This is what the Lord says, Do not go up to fight against your fellow Israelites. Go home, every one of you, for this is my doing. And here's what it says, So they obeyed the words of the Lord and turned back from marching against Jeroboam. They turned back from marching. They turned back from marching against Jeroboam. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 11, here we see Rehoboam who knows what it is to serve the Lord and at one time, at one time had served the Lord and yet the Bible says that, <clears throat> that it didn't last very long. At one time, listen to this, how hard is it? How hard is it to admit when we've gotten something wrong? How hard is it when we've done something, well, even when we think we're doing what the Lord wants us to do, and, and the Lord checks our spirit, or the Lord sends somebody and says, that isn't what you should be doing. How hard is it for us to admit we got it wrong? How hard is, is it for us to be so sensitive to the Lord that, that we would, listen to this, did you catch? He turned around 180,000 men. This wasn't him and his best friend. This was him and more people than live in Norman. Think about it. So here he is. It's him and all the people of Norman. They're marching out to battle. They're going to defeat this. And one prophet says, one prophet of the Lord says, no, 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 no. No, 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 that's not the Lord's will. And because his heart was sensitive to the Lord, the Bible says he turned himself and every man around and went home. How many of you know that's what we need to be that sensitive to what the Lord wants us to do? That we'd be willing to turn around 180,000 men for the cause of Christ. In 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 17, this, it's, it tells us, it says, They strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, three years, following the ways of David and Solomon during the time. What this verse tells us is that in the 17 years of Rehoboam's rule, he only sought God for the first three years. For three years, for three years, he sought God. And then something happened. Can I tell you something? This can so easily happen to us. We get out on the right track. We give our hearts to the Lord. The Lord has made such a dramatic difference in our life. And it's, it's like night and day from where we were before the Lord to where we are now with the Lord. And we're so attuned. Our heart is seeking after the Lord. And, and any, anybody that speaks into our life, we, we're attuned and we can tell whether it's from the Lord or not. And we're obedient and we're faithful. And we're like Rehoboam. We're, we're willing to turn 180,000 men around if that's what it takes. But over time, over time, 
we, we forget to prepare. Over time, we allow our heart to stop seeking after the Lord. Over time, what happens is there's a little bit of compromise and a lot more compromise. And if we're not careful, we'll be like the story of Samson, which I just shared with the young people the other day. Let me deviate and say something about the story of Samson. One of the most interesting things about the story of Samson is, of course, he was tricked by Delilah. But when, when he finally tells Delilah his secret, that it's his hair that is his strength, and she cuts his hair, and when the Philistines come in to capture him, I want you to remember what the word of the Lord says. It actually says in the Bible that he got up and he believed he was going to defeat the Philistines, because here's what the Bible says, because he did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson, the protector, the protector of God's people, the one who had been given a Nazarite covenant, the one who God had placed so much responsibility on, the one who had walked with God, who had felt God. If anybody, we're talking about feeling God's presence today. We're talking about being in his spirit. We're talking about encountering him. If anybody had ever done that, wouldn't Samson be on the list? Had he not felt the power of God, because his strength was not of man, it was of God. And here is Samson who knew what the power of God felt like. He knew what it was to be in tune with the Lord. And he had fallen so far away from God, just as Rehoboam did in his reign, that the Bible says he didn't even know that the presence of God had left him. And I just challenge us today that we would not get to a place whereas in Whereas in Isaiah 29, 13, it says they come to me with their lips and they honor me with their, but their hearts are far from me. We must prepare by keeping our hearts seeking after God. Are we saying it or are we doing it? That's the question today. Are we saying we love God or are we doing it? Do our actions match what our words say? The challenge is this. Are we coming into service unprepared? You see, church is for healing. Amen? And, and it's for encouragement. We, we meet together with other believers and we're encouraged. Amen? It's for learning. But it's not a one-stop shop. There's a lot of value in what we do here on Sundays. There's a lot of value in what we do here on Wednesday nights. But, we, but if we're not careful, we often ask God for things we have not prepared ourselves for. We ask God to cook something up, to make something in us, but we present ourselves empty. Lacking any ingredients, lacking anything that he would be able to put together. And if we're not careful, here's what happens. And I don't want, I'm not being critical today, okay? Listen, I've walked in times where I said, God, I need to do better. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we walk into church and we say, God, here I am. Here I am, I need you to do something with me. I need you to do something with me. And we, we walk and we come and we place ourselves in the, in the presence of God here in church. And we sit here for 20, 30, 40, 50, an hour and a half, however long. And whenever the time is done and the last prayer is said and we dismiss, we pick ourselves up and we walk out and we can't understand for the life of us why we're the same, why nothing changed. The truth is, is, we have to come in prepared. We have to come in prepared for God to do something in us. The ingredients have to be in there. An open heart has to be in there.
a willingness to say, God, whatever you would do of me, make it happen. We seek God in church, and we will find him. This is what I'm trying to challenge you with today. But we can also find Him in the Word during the week. We can find Him in prayer wherever it may be. We can find Him in our quiet time. We can find, you can find Him in our office space. You can find Him in a classroom. You can, you can find Him at the dinner table. You can find Him in the car on a commute back and forth. You can find Him in your presence if you will open your heart and seek after Him and say, I'm not going to present to you an empty vessel with nothing in side to prepare but instead I'm going to say God use and cook up let's get cooking God I'm going to prepare myself so that I'm ready for you to do something inside of me are you with me today the prepared child of God receives continual attention and growth from the Savior if you'll come prepared and ready I promise God will never fail you he will give you attention, and He will cause growth in your life. Secondly is this. Second step is, once we have preparation, we must have obedience. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times, obedience opens the floodgates for blessing. Obedience opens the gates for blessing. You want to be blessed of God, you've got to be obedient. So, Going back to my brownies here, uh, one of the things, they not only list the ingredients, but they also list the baking instructions. And they tell you, they say, you know, you're supposed to stir these things together. It actually says on the back of this box, about 50 strokes. How many of you actually have counted out 50? Anybody? Okay. Okay. I just wanted to know if I was the only one that the spirit of rebellion lived in. Okay. Um, I'd be like, 51. Okay, so... <laughs> extra good alright then it says to bake it 350 degrees and then it tells you if your pan is thick or thinner or thickest or whatever and how big it is how much you're supposed to bake it on how many of you we're going to have a vote here how many of you never cook it for as long as they tell you to cook it how many of you like it a little doughy in the middle okay yes okay how many of you how many of you cook it and you're, you're risk, you risk it being a brick because you don't want to die of salmonella all right, how many of you are germaphobes? And you're like, we're going to cook it till it dies. Okay. <clears throat> okay. You See, they're not going to lift their hands because they don't want to be judged. It's okay. We're judging you anyway. You don't have to lift your hands. All right. All right. <clears throat> yeah. See, if you cook it like that, just side note, if you cook it like that, it don't matter whether it's hot or cold, you're going to chip a tooth. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> Trying to save you a dental bill here. Undercook it. All right. <clears throat> There's baking instructions, and here's the truth: is yeah, there, we all deviate a little bit. But if you don't, if you don't follow those instructions, you mess up with, you, you end up with messed up brownies. You you uh, you don't put the water in; they'll be too dry. You don't put the oil in; you don't put the eggs in. You forget an ingredient. You don't you don't bake it for the right amount of time. If you're not obedient to what it says, you're not going to end up with the result that you want. See, the enemy tells us this. It says, you know what? Obedience is kind of subjective. You just tweak it a little. You just, and, and although we tweak the recipe a little bit, when it comes to God, God wants our ultimate and complete obedience. 
We may not understand why he wants that a certain way. We may not understand why he wants us to give up one relationship or, or a friendship. We may not understand why he wants us to walk away from one and, and maybe draw closer to another. That's very difficult. We may not understand why he tells us to switch a job or, or why he tells us to do this or that. But the truth is, is that the blessing lies inside the obedience. If we want to experience God work in our life, then we've got to pay attention to the instructions. We must allow God to take the ingredients, whether it be our talents, whether it be our giftings, whether it be our opportunities, and have him measure them out and mix them together for his glory. No, could you imagine, could you imagine if you were, you know, this thing calls for a two-thirds cup oil. Could you imagine if I had this oil and I got the cup and and, and I'm pouring it, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the oil just decides, the little container just comes alive and says, nope, that's all you get. Like, you can't have two-thirds cup. You only get one-third cup. That's all I'm giving you. I'll give you a little, but I ain't giving you all of it. All right? Could you imagine you're over here trying to fight? You're trying to figure, you know, or, or the eggs, you're like, they're, they're, I open it up. I have a vivid imagination. I have, open it up, you know, and you need two eggs or what? Do you need two or just one? How many need? Oh, two. I was right. All right. And you need two eggs, and, and they're like, listen, you get one of us. That's all you get. You get one egg. All right. Could you imagine what would happen? It would mess all up. But, but isn't that what the Lord deals with us a lot? It's like, God, use me. Use my talents. Use my opportunity. Use my resources. Use whatever. Hey, anything I got's yours. And then he asks for it, and you go, not that much. I'll give you a third of a cup, not two-thirds. You can have one egg, not two. Or imagine if, imagine if we just said, you know, I just, the oven goes, listen, I'm cooking for 20 minutes, I'm done. All right, you're not getting 30 or 45 out of me. 20, I'm done. I'm going to the Lord saying, God, listen, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I want to encounter you, and I want to feel your presence in my life, but listen, I, I've been looking at my schedule. If it's on Tuesday, I got 22 minutes from about 4 to 4.22, that's what I got. Can you, you, that's when I need you to use me, right then. That's all I got. God, I, I know this is going, or maybe it's not that precise. Let me make it a little bit more realistic. Maybe God, maybe God puts somebody a place upon your heart, and you're like, you're all, you need, they, they, the Lord's impressing you to go over there and, and to minister to that person or to, to love on them or to listen to them. You know what I mean? And, and, you're, and on the way over, you're going, listen, but I got an appointment at 4.30. So, God, this has got to happen. Like, I'm getting there at 4.10. means, God, you got a 20-minute window to make the magic happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, God's not asking us. To mix it, God's not asking us. He's asking us to have the ingredients. He'll put it all together if we'll be obedient, and he'll do it in his timing. How many of you know God's timing is best? If we don't, if we don't allow him, we end up with a mess. John 14, uh, verse 15 <clears throat> says this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's pretty clear. Our love for him compels us to do as he's asked us to do. If we love God... We'll keep his commandments. We'll do as he's asked us to do. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, a, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart 
is full of. The question would be, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? Our trust creates obedience. How important is obedience? How important is obedience? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says it this way. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father, of my Father, who is in heaven. Listen to me carefully. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of, of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father. Here's basically, it says this, the one who is obedient is the one who enters heaven. There's a lot of people, some of them even got their own TV shows, hollering about the Lord. But that isn't going to get them to heaven. You've got to have obedience. A lot of people in Holland. And as the time, let me, let me warn you, as the time gets to the end, as we get closer to the end times, more people, more and more people are going to scream about oh, the Lord and Jesus, and they're going to use those things. But I, I challenge you to not listen to just the words, but follow the actions. See if they follow through with what they say. Our obedience has to go further than our mouth and our words. It must be demonstrated through our actions. James 1.22 says it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Wow. That's pretty straightforward. Another translation says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. Those who sit and listen to the word but do not put it into action, the Bible says, are deceived. Obedience, listen to me very carefully, obedience happens when preparation, obedience happens when preparation, which we talked about a second ago, becomes sacrifice. And that's the third. We have to prepare, we have to be obedient, and we have to sacrifice. Anything worth doing or having cost us something. And I'm going back to my brownies. All right? Brownies aren't free. <clears throat> brownies take time. You gotta mix up the you gotta mix up the ingredients. You gotta put them in the oven. You gotta wait. You gotta, of course, buy all the ingredients, right? And if you're, you know, like I said, if you have 63 kids like me, you have to buy two boxes, all right? And so you have to buy all those things. And then lastly, and this is the part I know we don't want to talk about, the time and the money hurts. At some point, if you keep eating these, you probably need to run a lap or two, all right? It's going to cost you some exercise, all right? And so everything that's worth anything has a cost, and in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I want to talk to you about this verse. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody say, living sacrifice. There we go. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's look at that for a second. The Bible says that we must live, we must live our lives as a living sacrifice. Okay, so this isn't, the, the, the key to this is, this isn't us, we're going to go, we're going to go throw ourselves on some altar, all right, sacrifice our body to death. That's not what he's asking for. What he's saying is this, is as we live, we sacrifice not because it's our will, 
but God's will be done. It means we sacrifice what we want to do. We say, oh, God, but I'd rather do this. Oh, this would be more convenient. Oh, God, I don't have that much time. Oh, God, I don't want to give that much of myself. We say, no, I will sacrifice unto you. And here's what I love about it. It says that living, uh, being a living sacrifice, you ready for this, is the true and proper worship. True and proper worship. Hey, I, I love praise and worship. How many of you love singing? I love to sing. I love praise and worship. I love all of that. But I'm going to tell you something. You, when you live your life as a living sacrifice, you are continually worshiping God throughout the day. God, I worship you. Worship, oh, you want me to do this? Absolutely, because I worship you. God, you want me to talk to that person? Absolutely, because I worship you. Oh, you, you want me to do that? You want me to give this up? Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm worshiping you right now, God. By giving that up, I will sacrifice that because it's the true, your word says it's the true and proper worship of God to be a sacrifice unto him. It goes on further than that, though. Here's what it says. It says it's the true and proper worship of God because, listen, it says because you do not want to conform to the pattern of this world. It means you don't want to get drawn away by the enemy or try to get you to just do your own thing because what happens? We start doing that. We start mixing things up. We start working. The recipe ain't going to work out, okay? And so it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what happens. When we become a living sacrifice, when we begin to get our eyes off of this and our eyes onto that, what happens is, is that not only do we not conform to the pattern of the world, but our mind is renewed. And I love it that the Bible continues, the, the word of the Lord continues to tell us even what that means. It says our mind is renewed because here's what it says. It says, then you will be able, because your mind's renewed, because your mind is sharp, because, not because of your abilities, because of what the Lord does through you. It says you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Rehoboam was there. Rehoboam was there with 180,000 men. He walked up and the prophet said, nope. God says, this is not what you should be doing. And because his mind was focused, his heart was seeking the Lord, and his mind was focused at that time, he had the renewing of a mind. He was living as a living sacrifice to the Lord. He could test and approve it was God's will. And here's what I love. It says his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The best part is, is that when God renews our mind and locks us into where we can test and approve what his will is, we have find comfort in the fact that the Bible describes his will as good, as in pleasing, and as perfect. And as cool as I am, you and I, none of us are perfect. But God's will is. Preparation begins the process. Obedience continues the process. And sacrifice completes the process. If you're taking notes, I want to repeat that again. Preparation begins the process. You prepare and you begin the process of God working in and through you. You're obedient. Obedience continues the process. You just keep walking in obedience. Walking in obedience. Yes, Lord. Oh, no, this way. Okay, you want me to go this way? Okay, you want me to do this? You want me to go over here? You want me to talk to this person? It continues the process. And sacrifice, when you get to the destination, how many of you know that, that the Lord knows what we can take? He knows what we're prepared for. So if we prepared and then we're obedient, God will find us at the perfect moment, in the perfect place, and then he'll say, okay, now I need you to do this. 
And in that moment when we have sacrifice, when we're willing to take a step that we wouldn't have been when we first started the preparation, that we wouldn't have been when we first started our, our path of obedience, now we're in the place of sacrifice. And in that moment, the process is complete of what God would have us to do. But here's the great thing. Then we start again. And we prepare. And then we're obedient. And then we sacrifice. And then we prepare. And then we're obedient. And then we sacrifice. And we watch God move in and through us in amazing ways. I want to quickly tell you, I'm not going to read that whole passage, uh, Kate, out of Matthew chapter 6. But in Matthew chapter 6, um, at verses 16 and 18, it talks about fasting. I will tell you this, if you found your play, yourself in a place right now where you, you are struggling with things that you would not sacrifice, my question to you today would be, is there anything you wouldn't sacrifice for the Lord? If there's something you can think of today, then fasting is a tremendous opportunity. Fasting is, 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 a, is a way of, of putting aside Whatever it is that's standing between us and the Lord, say, God, I, I, whether it be a relationship, whether it be something else that's taking our time and saying, God, I, I, I want to put that aside and spend time with you. I'd encourage you, if, if you've never done it or maybe you've done it in the past, I encourage you to do it again, to fast. It's just to place something aside in order to have more time with God. Because sometimes in the, in the, in the process of preparing, in the process of obeying, in the process of sacrificing, we've got to move some obstacles out of the way. You know what? Rehoboam didn't just Rehoboam didn't just turn away from God because he turned away from God. It's because we had false gods that came in. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. They had false gods that came in that got in the way of the process of him experiencing the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as I close, and I want to, I want to share with you one last thing. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, I want to read that to you, and I want to share with you because I think... I hope you learned something today. This will really it spoke to me. It says, when Jesus came to the re region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Go ahead. And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell in other translations, will not overcome it. Will you leave that right there? Thank you. Here's what you find in this story. I hope you learned something today. In this story, what you find is Jesus, who took his disciples, his 12 disciples. Many of them, the historians will tell you that some were as young as teenagers. Raise your hand if you're a teenager today. All right, so he took this crew right here on a 25-mile hike. 25 miles from Galilee to Caesarea Philippi. Took 25 miles. How many of you know there was a few snack breaks probably along the way and a lot of grumbling? All right. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? The whole time in that region, there's not a lot between Galilee and Caesarea Philippi. There's not a lot there. So it's not like they could stop along the way. It was pretty barren. It's pretty terrible. And the worst part is, this is what you're going to love, parents, is that Caesarea Philippi was sin city. So not only did he take his teenage most of them teenager uh, disciples, on a trip, he took them to the place of one of the most filthiest places in the region, Caesarea Philippi. 
Caesarea Philippi had uh, up on their, on their cliffs, up on, uh, in their rocks, they had these arches, and inside each of them were statues to all these false gods. Caesarea Philippi was known for, for just, just terrible, just wicked activities. If you could imagine it, it was worse than that. And here is Jesus. He takes them there. Okay? And they get 25 miles, Don. They get 25 miles down the road. And Jesus turns around to them. And here's what he says. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? What? We, we couldn't have had this discussion in Galilee? We, like, we had to come 25 miles for me to ask you to ask. We're your disciples. You're asking me who, like, who you are? We could, are you having a crisis identity? Like, I mean, do you not know who you are? What do you, everybody knows who you are. And we had, to walk we had to walk 25 miles to have this discussion? What? How many know God has a plan, though? There's a reason. <laughs> and you see the discussion that they have. And at the very end, I want you to focus. It says right here, it says, And I, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. And I want to tell you a little history about where they were standing. Caesarea Philippi had a lot of false gods, but the major one that they really uh, worshipped, the big one, his name was Pan. Matter of fact, the Greeks renamed the city Panius. All right? And in Pan, or in Caesarea Philippi, they had what was called the Cave of Pan, and it was on top of the cliff of Caesarea Philippi, okay? It was up on this large rock surface, this large cliff. And, there was a, and, and up there was the, the cave of Pan, and it had a, it had a gate. And, and, and set on this cliff, they would go up there to worship these false gods. They would commit the most detestable acts to worship. They would, they would do all kinds of sexual things. They would, they would sacrifice people and they would cut each other and, and do all these things. And out of this cliff, water flowed directly out of the mouth of this cave. And the people there believed that this was a symbol of the underworld. They actually believed that the false gods that they worshipped traveled to and from this world through that cave. I'm telling you people, Caesarea Philippi at this time was the most despicable, sinful, nastiest place you'd ever want to go. And Jesus took all of his teenage disciples there and they stood there. They stood there in front of the cave and he said to them, who do they say that I am? And when he said, you're the son of the living God. And he said to Peter, he said, you, you, no one told you that. That was revealed to you by the Lord. And then he said, then he said, see, we've heard this preach, you know, Peter, he's on this rock. That, and he did. Peter, Peter did start the church. He was there. Okay? And the gates of hell, he did fight against it. But let me tell you something. On this rock, as they're standing in front of this big cliff, huge. I said it's, it's, it's huge. It was impressive. This thing was so evil. At this day, you can still look up on the Internet. Okay, you can still look it up. They called the entrance to that the gates of hell. The gates of hell. So you find Jesus standing with his disciples in the middle of Caesarea Philippi saying, who do you say that I am? And the disciples said, you are the son of the living God. You said, you bet I am. And on this rock, on this rock, not just you, Peter, on this rock,
In the midst of all this evil, in the midst of a cave they believe that the underworld comes to and from, in the gates of hell, these gates will not prevail. They took a 25-mile journey so he could take them to the pit of hell to tell them what I can tell you today, which is this. We're either part of God's plan or we're part of the enemy's plan, but no matter what happens, no matter whether we prepare or we don't prepare, either way, God is going to prevail. Thank you. We're not going to be able to, listen, evil's going to surround us and people are going to do despicable things and we're going to turn on the TV and go, oh my, what in the world is going on in our world? And we're going to look at people, we're going to look at, we're going to see, we're going to be heartbroken as we watch loved ones and friends do things and they'll turn away from God. And we'll, we'll, we'll be heartbroken as we turn on the TV and people who used to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ are now calling sin not sin. They're saying that the Bible has changed somehow. We're going to live in a world where the gates of hell may be standing in front of us. But we also serve a God who says that on this rock, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. On this rock, on this rock, that's you, that's me. What God's asking for, I know this was silly today, but what God's asking for is, it's just for us to prepare. He's cooking up something real good. Hey, he's not unprepared. He's not unprepared. He's not surprised by any of this. He's not surprised by any of this. He wanted the disciples to know there's nothing that, that will come against us that I'm worried about. So I'll take you right there to the most evil place that I know and we'll talk about how I'm the son of the living God. And I don't know about you, but I want to live and be on the side of the son of the living God. I'm going to tell you something really interesting. Right next to Caesarea Philippi, you can look on the map, was a town called Dan. Dan was the neighboring city, Caesarea Philippi. It was just about as evil, even though that everybody went to this one place I already talked about for, to, to worship false gods. And uh, it is actually the town that's attributed to leading the Israelites, the actual Israelites, not the Greeks, but the Israelites to worship false gods. It's, it's this town and this king, this king, this king, who introduced the Israelites to worshiping false gods town of Dan was led by a king named Jeroboam. If you'll remember, I read to you in 2 Chronicles chapter 11 that Rehoboam was going to go destroy. And the last verse says, and they turned away and did not touch Jeroboam. Alright? Now listen to me. For a moment, for a moment, Jeroboam did what he, what he what he thought he, he, he should do. For a moment, he turned away from God. But let me tell you something. There, there came a reckoning. There came a time. And even those who were once were associated with serving God, many of them still have a choice. And all of us in this room have a choice whether we're going we're gonna to have an encounter with the Lord. That's really the truth to all of this. And I'm, this is the last thought. All of us, all of us are going to have an encounter with the Lord. 
It just depends whether it's going to be a good one or not. If we serve God and we prepare, we're obedient, but we sacrifice, soon we're going to be with Him. And He's going to look at us and He's going to say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Well done. But there's going to be some who don't turn their hearts to the Lord and they're going to have an encounter with the Lord too. When their name is not in the Lamb's book of life. And they'll receive their eternal reward of hell. Heaven and hell are real, my friends. I don't know about you. I'm not into just fire insurance. I'd like to do a little bit of work for the Lord while I'm here. Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for their attention today. I thank you, Lord, that they... I thank you, Lord, for just speaking through me. And, and I pray, Lord, you would touch each and every person in this place. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as the worship team sings, Lord, that we would turn our hearts to you. And, Lord, that we would begin to prepare ourselves to be used by you. We thank you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? It's not even noon yet. Would you stand? Would you lead us in a song? And let's just worship the Lord. And while we're worshiping, I'm going to ask you to do this. We just ask the Lord, Lord, prepare my heart. Help me to be obedient. Help me to be prepared when you ask me to sacrifice. To say, yes, Lord, I will.